0: Not that everyone needs to drop out for a solo. I know that's kind of cliche jazz. But it did feel like it it was just, this is a backing track that a marimba player is going to play over for 30 seconds or (laughs) 30 seconds.
1: Are you kidding? (laughs) (laughs)
0: At a time. What's up, everyone? Welcome to 1001 Album Complaints, the show where experienced musicians and lifelong friends get together and discuss each week an album from Robert Dimery's book, 1001 Albums You Must Hear Before You Die. Uh, We select an album at random, and we generally discuss, analyze, do a deep dive, and test the limits of our friendship by bashing each other's musical (laughs) uh, preferences.
2: How dare you?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Off to a good start already, as you can see. So this week, we're, we're going to get outside of our wheelhouse slightly, I think, by uh, talking about Femi Kuti and his uh, self-titled third album. Um, if you haven't heard this album, we'll drop in a few clips along the way so you can get a, a taste of it. Uh, spoiler alert, those samples might be all you kind of need to get a taste of it. However, <laughs> um, we are still going to deep dive o- on this uh, album today. And then at the end, we'll vote on whether or not we think you actually need to listen to this album before you die. And then it's on to the next album. And uh, so with us today, we've got the uh, Usual Suspects here. Why don't you uh, each introduce yourselves and uh, give us your your tweet-length review uh, of this album. I'll, I'll get started. So uh, I'm Alan, and um, my take on this is uh, James Brown Goes to Africa.
2: <laughs> All right. My name is Adam. Uh, very excited to talk about this. But my, my quick thought is how boring it must have been to be in this band. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I think it depends on who you are. If you're the drummer, you might be enjoying yourself.
1: Bear in mind, Adam does not smoke weed. So I think that might that, have something to that's, do with
3: Yeah, track. that's going to be, yeah, that's a performance enhancing drug in this case.
1: <laughs> so,
3: yeah, so this is Phil here jumping in. You know, I feel like this record for me, it really it really is going to kick off sort of the the conversation around uh, active versus, inactive listening and uh i think we can sort of yeah i think we
4: see where that's going all right this is rob here and to quote a popular meme of our times these tracks are too damn
1: long (laughs) (laughs) Uh, and this is tom here and uh i am excited to dive into this album which i believe is africa's answer to jaden smith maybe as in the less, the less talented and successful, oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. Very, yeah, it's talented. Well, successful
4: person,
2: it's always better when you have to explain <laughs> the. Agrees,
3: yeah. I agree. <laughs> yeah. How
0: you What's know so
1: Jaden Smith? Come but, on, <laughs> but
2: that's good. No, that was just a grenade. It just had a couple second delay there, and then it hit. So well done, Tom. I, I, Must have been the Zoom call. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> What's funny because I think when we first started talking about this on the text string the banter was around like the dweezil zappa of nigeria or something to that effect and mm-hmm. so um, yeah i think i think we're we're, we're along no, those lines his here. his dad was popular though
1: so it's different <laughs> oh well, hold, hold, on, hold <laughs> on hold on hold on <laughs> fela,
0: yeah say what you want about femi we'll, we, we'll get into this but um yeah fela is is not a uh, not a lightweight let's put it that way so Obviously, if if uh, the name Femi Kuti sounds familiar, uh, I think it's it's clearly due to, you know, being the oldest son of Fela Kuti, who essentially pioneered the Afrobeat genre of music in the 60s. Uh, sort of hilarious point of clarification, though, th- that we have to make is Afrobeat is not to be confused with Afrobeats, which if you came across that term at all, so that's sort of so Afrobeat is a genre of music, which we'll kind of get into in a minute. Whereas Afro beats is like a catch all term for like modern African pop music, so why they didn't decide to make a further s- distinction, I'm not quite sure. But thought that was worth. Uh, Afro
1: mention. pop's not a thing. Afro pop sells. That could be a. Uh,
0: that could be a good description. Earth Techno Pop Autobahn. So yeah, before we get into this album, I think it. We kind of have to talk about Fela and Afrobeat as a genre because I think there's like such an obvious direct line to this kind of music. The genetic
2: line in this case. It yeah. is <laughs> <actually
0: is. laughs> so not a pretty direct line, a, a right. very uh, overtly direct line here. So yeah, Afrobeat basically originated in the mid to late 60s, pioneered by Nigerian musician saxophone player Fela Although his drummer, Tony Allen, is also sort of co-credited with the creation of of this. And I think he was actually the one that coined the term Afrobeat based on some beats he was playing where he was incorporating a little bit of more hi-hat than I think was traditionally heard back in the day. Is Tony Allen known for anything
2: else? That name sounds really familiar in I terms agree. of like 70s drummers.
0: He was actually, so I don't know his like portfolio of work, but I did come across a quote from Brian Eno, who considers him like one of the best drummers that's ever lived. So I'm assuming he has gotten around and definitely made a name for himself in the
1: the jazz scene.
2: Yeah, it, it could have just been in like drummer magazine, like, you know. 25 years ago or something also, but that name just sounded familiar it's a pretty <laughs>
1: common name it's like-
2: oh you know what it's my land yeah it's the guy who mows my lawn too <laughs> <laughs> is he also a
0: nigerian no
2: <laughs> no and it's a guy i work with and the guy i mean at the if, gym if and- drums right, yeah. falls
3: through i mean a guy like tony allen has a very serious career in sales ahead of him <laughs>
2: <Yeah>. <laughs> yes <laughs> you maybe we were right. thinking of tony williams is that possible uh, i don't know all right, well... Then. He definitely shreds. No, is it John Smith? Yeah, that's it. No, I John mean, Smith. Tony Williams
4: was the drummer in <laughs> yeah. the second Miles Davis quintet, right? He,
0: he shreds. Okay. Also shreds hard. So I guess the moral of the story is lots of... Uh, talented Tony's playing drums uh, yes on Earth. let's leave it at that because I feel like an idiot now let's continue <laughs> no I his name did sound it definitely rang a bell as I was coming across the research so at you know at the time back in the 60s you know they were in a band together and they were playing a form of traditional African music that apparently was was known as high life jazz so kind of missed some branding opportunities I think Living there the dream, oh, baby. <laughs> The champagne
4: yeah. of Afrobeat.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Might have to bring that one back. Um, but so over time, you know, they started kind of pushing the boundaries of, of high life jazz and, and were starting to incorporate more elements of, of American jazz, soul, and funk, kind of merging it with traditional kind of West African music. And that's where they came
1: up with this sort of Afrobeat, you know, moniker, if you will. You know, just on a side note, like how effing fun would it be to actually be there at like the knife edge of like a new genre creation and like be involved in like, so you're like, I've stretched the boundaries of this genre so far. It's officially a new thing. That's gotta be so fun and like super fulfilling. And then that thing like goes on and spawns all kinds of other stuff. has a bunch of, yeah.
2: It's
1: gotta feel great. I agree. It's gotta feel fantastic. Mm -hmm. It's
2: like musical speciation. Which, if you're oh, sorry, that's Nerd. a super exactly. That's a
0: super nerdy bio joke. We will drop a uh, description of that, what that word means in the uh, show notes. I'm just going
2: to go on. I'm going on mute for the rest of the episode. <laughs> I'll talk to you guys later.
0: No, I agree, Tom. No, I think, um, especially since this music, generally, at least in my opinion, I don't know what you all think, but like this totally lends itself to live music. And in fact, I've actually seen an Afrobeat show. So we used to live in Eugene and this group, Antibolis Afrobeat Orchestra, which, oh, yeah. you know, Afrobeat kind of had like a resurgence a little bit in like the early two thousands with some of like that jam band scene. But I remember they, they did this free show where Antiballus came and played this really tiny music hall in Eugene and the show kicked ass. And like the length of the songs at, at in that moment was not occurring to me or was not like a factor, but uh, yeah. So I can definitely see that excitement of like, Hey, you know, live like super percussive jazz, big horns, big bombastic shows
1: are happening that, yeah, that would have been um, a great time to be involved in that in that scene. You know what this reminded me of when I was listening to it originally? I was like, you remember that cave rave in the second Matrix movie, oh yes, <laughs> Where, like everybody's getting their sweaty dance on in like yeah. the Zion cave. Zion. This, I was like, this music would go over so well in that <laughs> environment.
4: <laughs> a- Alan, though, you 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 hit the nail on the head, though, because that's what I was thinking the whole time as I was remembering or trying to picture myself live in this kind of setting and how the energy in a place like that would be so much it would get me so much more into the music. And if you're dancing for, you know, for example, that stuff just doesn't always translate to either the screen or the record. And I think one of this record's big problems, at least from my perspective, is how it seems to shear off all the rough edges of a live recording. And really everything just feels neutered and compressed. And so none of the live energy really seeps through when you can tell that it would have been exciting to see live. So I would I agree with that appraisal.
3: I, I gotta admit, uh when I hit play on the first song, it immediately and this sort of speaks to the sound quality, right? It made me think of that song, Mr. Hot Stepper. Where the like the saxophone.
1: Here comes <laughs> yeah, the hot stepper. It's here a it's one sure, yeah.
3: Cause it has that saxophone. On It'll right be right like that. It. And it's all like, it's all like sort of chorused out and you know, that, yes, this, uh, I've I also seen Afrobeat shows. I've seen Antibalis and this definitely lacks the, yeah, just like this, not, not just like the energy, but also sort of like the showmanship of that sort of scenario. Right.
0: Well, I wonder if you actually, and so I, to be clear, I've never listened to an Antibalis studio record. And so I'd have to think that the same, you know, lost in translation effect is happening there. Well, I disagree slightly because we're talking about Femi's
4: dad, Fela. And this caused me... I'm not super familiar with Fela Kuti. Of course, I had heard the name and I knew him a little bit from our college days of listening to music. But this week, I kept bouncing back and forth into some of Fela's records. And I think those records have a lot more rawness and energy to them. And I think a lot of it comes down to the production. I think this record suffers from... It's time. This is what, the mid-90s? There's just something, the saxophone is less, on the Phalo records, you can hear them kind of maxing out on the mic. You can hear the, the treatment of the background singers feels a little clippy too. There's much clankier keys, just a lot more sound dynamics in the soundscape. So I do think it can be done, and I don't know if that's because those records were actually recorded in a more of a live setting, or it really is just a compression of the sound wave kind of problem.
1: I think that to uh, echo what Phil says all the time, this album suffered from the 80s, which apparently didn't hit Africa until the (laughs) mid-90s. It's that, like, super clean, like, highly compressed, highly digitized sound, and, like, you know, the Fela stuff, like, benefited from the 70s, like, you know still kind of analog blowing out shit a little bit you know like you get a take where something's blown out you're like well that's just the take and it, it gives that grit that edge to it
0: it's definitely like super slick and and phil you you brought up like the first couple notes of the first track and i also i mean within like 20 seconds was just like i know what this is gonna sound like and you know i'll give it a chance but i i already like in that first little horn riff you could definitely hear the the slickness. Interestingly, though, one of the reviews I came across for this, which I, I sort of texted around because it was hilarious, was that apparently these, you know, nine-minute songs that, that Femi had put out were, quote-unquote, clean and succinct takes on fail as material And to your point, Rob, about them having that more, like, organic sort of vibe to them Fail, Fail's material apparently would be one track for an entire thirty minutes of a side of a record, and mm. so I think there's probably something in like intent and approach as well, where he's he had no inhibitions or preconceptions that like this music needed to be packaged for a, a, a studio release. So it's probably just like, fuck it, this is thirty minutes. This is what we're gonna play, and I guess we'll just put it on the record.
4: We, should, we were talking a lot about Afrobeat, and maybe, maybe we should play a couple notes to orient the listener of the first track on the Femi Kuti record, the self-titled Femi Kuti record right now. <laughs> This leads me to my second criticism, which is, you're saying Phil was more uninhibited. Yeah, that sounds about right. And that one positive thing that a reviewer said about Femi Cootie, the son, is that he was able to package these. Like, what was the point of breaking up these songs? I guess that's what I'm trying to get to. Because they don't actually change. I can't tell one song from the next.
1: Well, one thing that I will say is that Fela had a really great way of having the song literally never change. Like, my, I I like that song Colonial Mentality by Fela Kui. It is a fantastic song, and it starts off with the bass going. And it never stops. 13 minute song. (laughs) Bass does not change the entire time. It keeps that, he leans into it in a way that, like, it's let, you know. It's like that joke that only works because you tell it 8 times and like it's not funny and then the 8th time you're like okay it came it's, it's funny it came around. Um Femi Kuti tries to have changes but as Adam pointed out it's all just two chord changes but even that like it, they're not leaning into the consistency of it in a way that I feel Almost makes it more powerful. Like it's in your face with Falah. He's just like, "No, I am not gonna change. This song's gonna be thirty minutes, and there's no changes. And you're gonna, you're gonna like it at some point. God damn it!" It's an interesting
3: point, Tom, because I think I think that's sort of that sort of is, is a thread back to what Alan said, the, the James Brown reference, right? James Brown is literally known for Take It to the Bridge. And those are straight-up bridges, right? They're departures from the song. They're brief. They're designed to sort of reset you so he can go right back into the same thing full force and get full payoff one more time. These songs do not have
1: that. You're right. There's like, no payoff. Do
3: not, yeah, there's no payoff when you go back. There's no payoff. <laughs> yeah. there's,
1: right. there's a payoff in like the consistent I never change, because when you come around to it, that's the payoff. But in the, like, I change just enough that I don't get that payoff, but I don't give you a dynamic change, Yeah, it completely lacks a payoff.
4: Now, I was just going to say that bridge comment reminds me of, I heard a quote from Polonius Monk not too long ago, and I think, I think I'm getting it right. I might be paraphrasing, but they call the bridge the inside and the other part the outside. And it was just something like the oh, inside I, is what makes the outside sound good, and he's totally mm, right.
1: Mm-hmm, yeah,
0: yeah. No, I, I like that. Um, that's good. It's a good framing. Shit,
1: I forgot what I was going to say.
0: <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, oh I was no! Okay, a so joke
1: about how Cooty died because apparently he no, died geez. of AIDS, uh, which is really oh kind of bizarre to me. That, but uh, I mean, I guess that just. Was happening in Africa all the time. What was this this was, this was like the mid 90s? I think 97
0: yeah. that he that
1: he died. He was yeah. from spent his life in Africa. Like, and I got to imagine he's super famous. He is probably just banging left and right. I he
4: married so. 29 women at the
0: same time, or something, didn't he? Well, Femi talks openly about having multiple lovers, like as if it's just an accepted part of life. So, I I guess
1: it's not all that surprising. Let's be honest. It's funny. Fela Kuti, son of a Nigerian women's rights activist, is like, I'm just going to marry these 29 chicks and basically have a harem going on. But, like, no. Women, empowerment. It might
4: knows. have it might have had something to do with poli- like politically freeing them or something, but I'm sure there were some fringe benefits as well.
1: Oh, yeah.
0: <laughs> Without a doubt. Benefits.
4: So, I, the story I heard about Fela Kuti is that, because, you know, he was a political activist, too, and his son attempts to carry that on. He's speaking out against Speaking out against the Nigerian government, things like that, right? But I heard this story that Fela wrote a song about the Nigerian army, critical of the Nigerian army, Zombie, one of his more famous songs. And they deployed like a thousand soldiers to his compound, threw his elderly mother out the window, killed her, beat the crap out of him. And, yeah, obviously didn't, didn't keep him down too long, but... He, he tangled he tangled pretty seriously so it's another one of these the Dweezel Zappa reference sort of felt right to me too because Frank Zappa is known as being this pioneer who was pushing the envelope of free speech and it, it's kind of just going to be hard to compete with that level of not only genre groundbreaking but also social social ingenuity and it's weird when sons just go right in the same direction
2: as fathers with that he should have picked up the violin and like try, <laughs> tried his hand at classical music or something like that. You, <laughs> you know, know what I would know? have
3: done? I would have taken the
1: money and run. That's what I was going to say. <laughs> like, you're passing up a paycheck there. because you're just like, listen, my name is Dweezil Zappa. I can throw together a band and idiots like Rob and Tom are going to come and pay money to see <laughs> me play Hot Rats and it's going to be the worst thing I've ever seen in my entire life. But he got my money. And Femi Cootie is just like, listen, I'm, I got the last name Cootie. I can put out albums and I'm going to get paid, it's kind of hard to pass that up.
3: I guess I was just assuming there were like zombie uh, royalties rolling in, but maybe not. <laughs> no. <laughs>
0: it might not be. Well, that's what's kind of funny yeah. is so when so Femi grew up playing in Fela's band and apparently, you know, he he did this until like the the mid 80s or so. And then he decided he, he kind of wanted to it's sort of what I find ironic about this is he deliberately wanted to chart his own course and sort of strike out. And at the time in like the mid 80s, when he left his father's band to do his own thing, there was like a lot of backlash of like, who are you? You know, like, why would you leave this? And you're just going to start another Afrobeat band? Like, what? what is that? That's exactly what I'm going to do. Yeah.
2: <laughs> he should have done like Jason, yeah. Jason Bonham and just joined Led Zeppelin. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Funny enough, I saw a video recently, like a bass video with, um, you guys know Jocko Pistorius, the sure, sure. bass player? Oh, yeah. So he's the son Felix Pistorius, and same kind of deal, where it's like hard to take it at face value. Meanwhile, he is a sick, like if, if he just had a different name, you'd be like, this guy fucking nails. But... His last thing is Pistorius, and it's just never. There's also just like a weird
3: it. thing, like why? Why does bass playing? Why is bass playing in the blood?
0: Right? Like why? That's
3: clearly <laughs> like his father was obviously out of his life to death. Like long before he had any meaningful musical influence on him. So like how how is that? How is it that
0: does he also play a fretless? No, he plays you know, okay. one of those like fucking seven string mm,
3: monstrosities hits, yeah, of okay. a, mm. a, and it's well, just
0: like wank fest
2: the chapman stick
1: <laughs> no no <laughs> phil i can totally understand that you your dad dies before you have a chance to develop a meaningful relationship with him and the only thing that you know about your dad is that like he was obsessed with the bass mm, you're probably gonna be point. like okay you know, let me. uh, I'm gonna try to get closer to him. Let me. Let me try to learn some of the songs that he made. And you're like, oh, the chicken. Oh my god, I have to like.
3: Sure, that's a that's a very good point. Yeah. to be yeah. to play the song. Yeah. Also, you probably like have that bass around. You know,
1: yeah,
2: right. the yeah. one that he recorded yeah. Tracy or what was the crazy one?
0: All, oh. all of them.
2: All of them. Yeah. <laughs> song for Tracy. Anyway.
0: Oh, portrait of Tracy, maybe. Something Por- like thank
2: you, portrait, of- portrait of Tracy.
0: Yeah. So what was interesting though, is that like Fela did not try to like steer him towards being in this band. Uh, Apparently, according to, to Femi, he was more interested in making sure that Femi read um, and and actually read a lot of like African history and African American history, which was kind of something else that was interesting about Fela. So he obviously his music was informed by, by jazz. um, But he also was really obsessed with African American history and culture so he came to the the United States on a on a trip with his band in like the late '60s, and he got connected with um, with some Black Panthers and became really just intrigued and, and invested in in the civil rights movement. And you know James Brown was also happening at the time. Who I'm not sure the connection, but apparently <laughs> I saw a quote that was attributed to Fela that he thinks James Brown stole some of his music or at least his. Shtick or something but they're off those who are often considered as like sort of analogs hmm.
1: okay i own that b minor that never changes that's me right <laughs> you can't take that <laughs>
4: hey we learned in a previous episode of this podcast that james brown took from solomon burke the crowning and the cape thing although he did pay him oh, for it apparently
1: right <laughs> and gave him I the mean- concessions as i remember
3: yeah, I mean, this is how you build any business, right? You buy some of it, you steal some of it, some of it is your own ideas, right?
2: Sure, artists create, geniuses steal. True story. All right, Alan, we get what what tunes are we getting into on this this fine. This I fine think we podcast?
3: already got into
0: all of them. All right, that's <laughs> it. You heard one. That you heard thirty second sample of yeah. earlier, kind of encapsulates all. I, I would all like
1: of it. to talk just about this sort of like what I came into was this sort of preconceived notion that like and. I'm a I grew up in Wilmington, Delaware in the suburbs. I have no African, you know, base of knowledge basically. But I like I just pictured African music. Like, oh, there's African music. That concept like I couldn't help but think that like there's so many people out there who just think of African music as like one thing. And like I'd be like saying like it's North American music. <laughs> which is like everything from like right. justin Bieber to like right. narco Corridos and like all the you know but this was what i sort of like stereotypically thought of as african music and i realized that i didn't like it all that much and then but i didn't want to just say i don't like african music because that just seems ridiculous right like how right. could you say that you you just said that <laughs> How can you lump an entire continent? No, but I... This is being yeah.
0: recorded, you
1: know. Well, but then, but then I started, like, you know, even thinking about, like, oh, okay, it's not African music, it's, like, Nigerian music. Then, like, oh, mm-hmm. there's, like, 200 million people in Nigeria. Like, Nigeria L- alone, is a huge place. Right. Like, it's not right. like you can just say, like, that. Ni- they're saying, like, American music, you know? It's, like, there. there's so many different layers to this, and I, I feel like um, it was eye-opening to me to do a little exploration outside of the Afrobeat genre to like get a feel of like other types of music that are coming out of this sort of same region yeah I just don't know if anybody else had that same experience of coming into this and be like African music you know I mean
3: I I I, there was a bit of an overlap that because I I was curious about the elements of this there are elements in this that I think really remind me of Paul Simon's Graceland right some of the way the horns are stacked up, specifically. Um, I think a lot of the rhythms in this are a, a more aggressive than Graceland. I think they're sort of, like, neutered and popified a little. But it's it's not quite as direct, but I think there's a, a clear, like, sort of African through line there. And then also, when I think of African music, as weird as it is, I sort of think of, like, Led Zeppelin 3. Uh, no, not 3. I guess it's, like, Led Zeppelin. It might be, like, Presence or, I don't know, it's the whatever one with all the, like, the Moroccan stuff on it. It's the one with, like, cashmere on it.
1: Physical graffiti? E- I don't know, man. Yeah, like <laughs> yeah, You know, it's you, you got casual. Saharan Africa and sure, Sub yeah. Saharan Africa. Totally different. You know? Totally
4: different. No, well, totally
1: re- yeah, yeah.
4: Sorry. Well that reminds me, me and Tom and I went to a African band show not too long, a couple years ago, right? We went to see that band Tenaroin in Berkeley. I'm not I'm not misremembering this at my time. We went together. Oh, no. right?
1: They're awesome. Yeah, I and the it it actually. was
4: a lot of fun but it was the most quintessentially Berkeley 100% white hippies <laughs> at the show kind of
1: thing just vibing oh, and all, com- all complaining about the fact that the last time they came there were fewer people and it was cooler because like there were fewer <laughs> people there and it's like these guys are trying to make a living but the one thing that I I also remember the one thing about that band Tenorwin, was selling.
0: trustafarians living in fucking Berkeley
1: yeah exactly so this band, Tanarwin, like a Tuareg band, and they do a lot of the African call and response stuff, which I mm-hmm. like a lot. I dig the call and response uh, vocals, you know, main guy sings a line, backup singers mirror that line or give some uh, take on that line. And in the band Tanarwin, there was like eight guys, and one of the guys was just a background singer. Everybody else was playing a guitar, playing a drum, playing a bass, doing a bunch of, other, and then there was just this one guy who was just, <laughs> but like everybody else was also giving a response, and I was like, "That is god." I think he job. should join
0: Prodigy. <laughs> like he, yeah, he, like, he, uh... exactly.
1: That's yeah. The, how easy is that job? There's like eight other people who are singing backups <laughs> with you, and you're not even trying to be precise. You're just sort of like giving a response, and oh, uh, you're just like kind of. And he looked like he was having the best time. I was like, "Your life is." probably so, so blessed cuz like the background of that band is they were apparently like legitimately rebels in Mali they were like part of like a like a rebel movement in Mali that got started playing around campfires it's like you went from like 10 years ago being a rebel to like now you're in Berkeley just dancing on stage and singing backups <laughs> and making money and probably like going out and like doing a bunch of cocaine and bagging like <laughs> It's like yeah
0: <laughs> well i so you guys brought up earlier phil i uh, the idea of like are there elements of like rock bands like, you know, Led Zeppelin, Graceland, um, the Paul Simon album. I, I was, I found this interesting, although not super surprising that, you know, I mentioned Brian Eno earlier that he was really taken by Afrobeat music, him and David Byrne. And I'd never put this together until I listened to this and did some of the research, but, but remain in light, the talking heads album, yeah. which came out in 1980. Absolutely. If you listen to cross eyed and painless specifically, we should put, we should put a cut of that in here, you know, maybe a few seconds, but like, think There's a change in the entire song, and I think it you're right. borrows heavily from this. And it, there's extensive vamping towards the end of the song that you know, I remember at the time when I first got into the album being like, This is sick, super danceable, but like, it's enough already.
3: Well, I mean, if if we're talking about <laughs> remaining in Light, I mean, obviously, yeah, maybe we'll just do Remain in Light soon, right? But there's going to be more than one song that does that, uh, like Cross Eyed and Painless, like you called out. Hold on. You know, may it, not change. We're not,
4: there's no, There's nothing wrong with not changing. Let's just make that really, really clear. I'm for not changing if you can still put dynamics into the song. I'm glad you mentioned Remain in Light. It was on my mind as I was listening to this record this week. And to Tom's question about what my background or feeling about going into African music, that was kind of my touchstone, as Western as it is. Because I knew that that had all that mm-hmm. syncopation. I knew they were influenced by stuff like Fela Kuti. That record is freaking amazing. That is one of my all-time favorite records. I'll hear no, I'll hear, I'll broach no uh, argument there. It's So it has nothing to do with how often you change. That's not, I just don't find that to be a necessarily valid criticism. I feel like that's come up a couple times. You don't have to be Steely Dan to make it dynamic.
0: How dare you? So I don't think the, well, to be clear, like I, and and this actually spurs a question I have, which is I'm, I'm curious what, what you all liked about the album because i think it's it's clear that we we've got our issues with it um but for me personally like i when i think of my sort of sensibilities with music like i think rhythm first and then it all sort of builds from there whereas i'm not necessarily i don't gravitate towards like melody and harmony first like you know some other folks so i actually have like some affinity for this type of music and so i actually can appreciate to your to your point rob the lack of changes is not what gets it for me i think the the conversation is more around if it doesn't change but it there's nothing that's being added like if if you could just cut and splice a 45 minute section from the middle of the song and put it at the end you're just sort of veering into like nihilism almost at that point
4: yeah i didn't I didn't sense peaks and valleys in the song. That was my complaint and the production was I think a huge part of that. Probably some of it is the writing, but I think some of the writing is there. There's a lot of interesting horn arrangements as were just referenced that maybe remind us of things like Graceland. I could see that. Clearly there's work put in to the arrangements and some of the riffs, but it, the songs don't really build and they don't have any energy to them that's that's the problem and you're right one one thirty second clip is to my mind indistinguishable from any other 30 second clip
2: on the record. Does it happen to be the actual track that's 30 seconds long? That is actually my favorite and most interesting track on the album, which is called Intro. <laughs> it's 30 sec- 31 seconds long on an album that's an hour and 15 minutes. And by far the tightest, most interesting 31 seconds on the entire album, its own track called Intro.
0: <laughs> this might be the first time we can play an entire track. Like, on, on <laughs> this is never my only chance. Get away with it. Let's rip it. <laughs> But no, I, so I would like, I would love to hear if, you know, so Rob, you, you, you just alluded to some things that you liked. What what about the album did you guys like? I, I'm happy to jump in here. So I sort of like mentioned
3: it at the top, right? And I, you know, we've sort of been like chipping away at this record a little, but I actually think this is like a really nice example of active versus inactive listening. And that sounds like maybe like a way of saying like, oh, like it's, 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 it's good if you're not paying attention to it. Like, isn't that the same, that's the same measure by which, like, we buy furniture and paint, choose room colors and, right? Like, things like this. So, like, I don't think music as sort of, like, background music to life is necessarily a bad thing. I think, And I think this is really great sort of like mood music. This is good party music. For the same reason, I could see why like this makes good live music because you're sort of lost in the experience. But I think it functions, at least recorded, better as furniture than it does as something like you're sitting down and intently listening to. Because for me, what I'm listening for is changes and you don't get a lot of them. And for that reason, like a color on the wall, right? Like it sets a mood more than it is something to stare right at and say, "What do you think about that?" So that's what I like about it. So the mood it sets.
1: Phil, can I ask you a question? Um, are you free next week to be on my podcast about room colors? We <laughs> talk about room colors for an hour. <laughs> yeah, can, yeah, we, sure. can we? Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. One thousand and one paint complaints. <laughs> <laughs> But it must be great. Must be great uh, to go to IKEA with Phil. One thousand and one <laughs> campaigns.
3: Thank you. <laughs> why? Do you, Rob, let's, let's take it there. Rob, why do you want to
1: go to IKEA with me?
4: <laughs> so we can work out the kinks in our relationship. Phil. That's about the <laughs> <to> friendship. <laughs> yeah.
1: God. <laughs> one of the things that I did appreciate about this album is that I feel like it did have a message. Very much in the way that like I can listen to like an Ani DeFranco album and be like, I can appreciate this, I'm not the target audience. I can appreciate this music, I'm certainly not the target audience. I can appreciate the message behind the music. Part of it is like a language and an inflection barrier, like I can't always understand exactly what he's saying from language standpoint, also from a context standpoint. But I am willing to give him the benefit of the doubt that, like, there are probably some powerful messages of, you know, African agency and realization. And as we've talked about, unity, you know, on this album that I think if I was the target audience would probably elevate it from just water off my back. Listen to, like, something that has a little bit more of a message that speaks to me. That's what I can say. I... I appreciate that the album has it. I myself did not necessarily appreciate it, but I can give them credit that I think that there is that actual like deeper content on that album, on the album. Yeah, I think that's
0: fair. Like I I think there's it, it's sort of similar to how I, I almost put reggae in this category of I also find reggae to be there are elements I like about it the same way that I like Afrobeat in some ways. Like there's there's tight rhythm and I think That stuff speaks to me, especially as a musician, but I find it to be a little bit repetitive and after a while, I'm not sure what I'm listening to anymore, but yeah, there is that, you know, socially conscious, politically driven message there. What about you, Adam? Was there anything that you liked? And there doesn't have to be, but I'm guessing. Yeah, yeah. I, I,
2: I, I thought the rhythm section was really good. The drummer's a beast. The bass player was, was, was in the pocket with the drummer. I mean, unfortunately, there's not a ton. I
0: did think back to... So I'm hearing uh, competence yeah. of the musicians. <laughs> right. They, play, it, right. they was- did, in fact, play in time.
2: <laughs> they, they did play in time. So to- Tom will potentially know this reference. I used to watch Mystery Science Theater... Three thousand, a lot, and they, they released a couple of movies. One of them was called Manos: The Hands of Fate. fate. And yeah. if you don't, oh well. <laughs> yes, if you don't know Mystery Science Theater, these guys they they get a terrible old sci-fi movie or something from you know the nineteen forties and basically sit and make fun of it. And there was one particular scene where these two actors are on the screen and they're just standing there and like 5 seconds goes by and they're still standing there and 10 seconds goes by and eventually one of the guys making fun of it stands up and goes do something <laughs> my
0: <laughs> god
2: and i couldn't get that out of my head as i listened to this cuz i feel like I, I it almost feels like all the musicians like had their hands tied a bit like they had so much runway on these songs but i don't feel like any one musician Stood there's out, this thing and... where
3: it's like jazz that never blasts off, right? You got this hot rhythm section. The right. actual and... sort of like fund there is like an Afro beat horn rhythm. Like there's something there, the way that it's stacked, and, and both the rhythm of it and the harmony that feels like quintessentially that sound. But yeah, mm-hmm. like you never get like it never that one guy never steps out front. And and maybe Even... as a westerner, that's like what just what yeah. you're really exposed. I'm what I'm used to, right? It's like where's where's the Cat Scratch Fever guitar solo?
2: <laughs> I'm I'm expecting maybe just something more if most of the song is instrumental, I'm expecting more stuff from the intramis, uh, instruments. I didn't really even find his saxophone solos that engaging.
0: Well, that's a good point. The the instrumentation, the improvisation was just it was just improvisation over the same shit. You know, like like, not that everyone needs to drop out for a solo. I know that's kind of cliche sure, jazz, yeah. but it did feel like it, it was just this is a backing track that a marimba player is going to play over for 30 seconds or 30 seconds. Are you kidding? <laughs> well,
1: <laughs>
0: at a time, 30 seconds at a time. <laughs> so speaking of which, let, let's get into some of these tracks. And, and you know, I, I don't know that we need to dive into them too deeply because i think we're we've we've done enough of that already but um let's let's check out wonder wonder the uh the lead off track on the album
4: well we already played the, the front right so let's just drop it in any gotcha. other place in the track <laughs> let's do that
3: wonder Wonder, 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 till you turn to wonder,
1: yeah, yeah. Many things they have for this world. will go
0: surprise you, confuse you, depress you, turn you wanderer.
3: You go
1: begin to wonder. Wonder, 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 wonder. You guys played the same track.
0: Well, I think the earlier was the that first intro, that like the sax. That, so. Alan, that was <laughs> a joke
1: about how it sounds the same. <laughs> yeah, if you can keep up with this fast-paced conversation here. I'm trying here. <laughs> I want to make clear
4: that I am not against the concept of this musical genre. But this execution of it is bad. And I'm holding right. to that. And I know, and I partially know, I'm not an expert in Afrobeat by any stretch of the imagination... And I happen to like the decade of the 70s for a lot of reasons. And as during this week, I was sort of checking with other music in this genre generally, including his dad, Fela, and like that guy, William Onyabor, the other Nigerian 70s guy who did Atomic Atomic Bomb, I think is his big song. And it's just better. It has similar (laughs) hallmarks, but it has more dynamics and more energy, partially because of the production. It just goes someplace, and yes, it's still kind of background music, and yes, it sets a mood, but I just, and, you know, maybe it's just of its era, but this is not good.
1: That song, Atomic Bomb, is awesome, by the way. That's a great song. Hell yeah. Yeah.
4: There are no such hits on this
1: one. No, this is one of those ones that um, I I probably checked five or six times during the course of the song to see if it was going to be over soon. And it's a long song, don't get me wrong, but like, I am not exaggerating when I say five or six times. I was like, is there, that's like once every 90 seconds in the song. I'm like, when is this going to be over? God damn. Well,
4: Ar- Alan narrowed, Ar- narrowed down the playlist of what we needed to focus on, and it was still album and It was length. still
2: 40 minutes. <laughs> He's like, I'll give you guys four tracks. Forty minutes. This was by
0: far the hardest to come up with a focus list for because I feel like I was just throwing a fucking dart at dartboard I, I, and being like, I oh, I feel free, I man.
3: I, I definitely when you set the focus list that I was like, I don't know any of these fucking songs. Like, like, oh, I mean I listened, I listened I to the record, but like, you know, like,
1: I listen I listened to the first focus list, and I listened to the second focus list, and I was like, there is no change. They're the same thing. Yeah. They're the oh, same the, list. Oh, the one that starts
4: with Baker Street sax and then has a call and response <laughs> section and her marimba song? <laughs> yeah.
1: And again, I know the one. by the way, when Fayla Cootie does it for some reason, it really works because Fayla Cootie is, if anything, more formulaic than this. Because, like I said at the end of the last podcast, his stuff is like incredibly predictable. It's like an eight minute music section and then a four minute call and response singing section, and then it's over. They hit the head one more time and it's over. And, like, that works so much better then this like half in half out approach of like we're going to kind of do a little bit of change but we're kind of also going to be super formulaic it it just didn't, it didn't maybe happen.
4: it's the struggle like Fela actually had a struggle in his life i don't mm-hmm. think Femi had as nearly as much let's say i'm sure he had his own trials and tribulations but it's different just like for first generation first generation kids of immigrants you know it's a different mentality right
0: well Fela also was you know he was arrested like on trumped up charges like many times. In fact, one of the stories I came across for this was that Fela actually or Femi, excuse me, got his first sort of break um, as being something other than a sideman for for Fela when Fela was actually arrested right before they were about to do a US tour. And instead of canceling the tour, he was like, Hey, Femi, why don't you do it? And so he
1: apparently, you know, made his bones it's like White people can't tell us apart anyway Just go out there, it'll be fine
3: <laughs> So I'm glad this came up Because something that really Jumped out to me about this record Or the story of this record Actually has more to, again, like we're talking about Fela a lot more than Femi I'm sure that drives Femi nuts But the timeline of this record Is insane So on January 21st 1993, Fela Cootie is Arrested for murder. He is arrested on speculation of murdering an electrician that works for him.
0: right? Guilty. Yeah. <laughs> then... To be fair, most electricians I've called don't answer your phone calls. They don't <laughs> they show deserve, up when yeah, you... They deserve to be them murdered. Too. So, oh, so I had my house murdered recently.
1: I wanted to
3: murder those guys every day. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right. so, so he murders his electrician, right? Then Femi goes into the studio to record this record in 94... Then, I guess, I don't know what happens with the murder charges because there's no information about him going to jail for murder. Then in 97, Fela dies of AIDS, but he's also an AIDS denialist, which is incredibly complicated because his brother is like the Minister of Health or something insane. Who is? So there is this whole crazy thing happening in Femi's life, where his dad's arrested for murder. Then he records his breakthrough hit. Then he like tours on his breakthrough hit. Then his dad dies of AIDS, which he goes to his death denying exists, while his brother, his uncle, Femi's uncle, right, is going all over you know Nigeria and going directly out to fail his fans and AIDS is super real. And I know this dude, my brother that you love, has been telling you forever it's not real, but it's totally real. Here's the evidence my dead brother. Right? Like, <laughs> So, like, this is a. There's no parallels time to mind.
0: modern day society to that whatsoever. There's
3: no, yeah, there's <laughs> nothing no, there's that no. I can compare that to at all. <laughs> really, Currently. really weird.
2: Presently, yeah. <laughs> it happened once in history and that was.
3: But, it. like, what a crazy time in a man's that life, is. right? Like,.
4: Yeah. And wait. Do we say so? This is his first record. That that's true, right? No. It's, I mean, it's actually
1: it's like third.
0: It's his third. It is a self-titled. Um, but this was the one where, first of all, there is very little information about this record. There's next right. to no like uh, legitimate reviews from any kind of like press outlets. I couldn't find anything. You can't find lyrics anywhere. Well, I, there. Uh, are, well, yeah. yeah. Who's who's and, transcribing that?
2: <laughs> right, exactly. Well, so I'm sure there's one fan who could do it. It's not me, but. Also, yeah. oh,
0: in, in a different
3: way, if you look up the other, like, I couldn't find the other Femi Cootie records on Spotify anyway. So then you, you, like, you know, they might exist, but. I mean, yeah, this was his the first there, with but, a,
0: you know, with like a sort of, traditional record label so so this one was on like a i think it was called taboo records which was like a sub label of motown so this is sort of the first album he had that had any kind of critical acclaim which was really limited to europe and and africa so you know there, there's not there's not a lot on you know to to sort of go off of like context wise for this album but my understanding is it was his third album
4: Can we move on to the song Survival? Because I feel like I have a couple things to say about that. Let's do it. Okay, I'm. Listen, I struggled a little bit with this designation, but I'm
0: gonna call this my favorite song. It's a, <laughs> it's a relatively low bar, but I think this is this is the best song. I second that, Rob. It was the marimba solo, wasn't it?
4: <laughs> yeah. It's it starts with an enticing riff and rhythm. There's an interesting rhythm going on at the front. It's it's just a little more interesting rhythmically. This is a very Silicon Valley comment, but did anyone else? Every, I was listening to this while I was working, and I kept thinking my Slack notification was going off with those wood blocks. It was kind of maddening.
3: Oh, well, I know what you're talking about. I've, I've had similar problems
1: before. This song had dynamics in it for the first, like, two minutes. It was a lot of, like, come in, pull back, come in, pull back, come in, stay in for eight more minutes. And, like, I was digging the come-in and the pull-back, because as we talked about before, like, if you're going to have a song where there's no changes in the chords, and there's not really a change in the tempo, and there's not a change in, like, the rhythmic backing, like, you gotta do the layering thing. You gotta build and pull-back and give me some kind of payoff, and there was a, there was some payoff in the first two minutes of this song. And then the six minutes after that just turned into the rest of the album. And that I lost interest very quickly after that. But I dug the first two minutes.
3: I think my favorite moment on the record. I, I hear what you're saying about this song. I, it just makes me, I, I would really struggle to pick a favorite song. Because they are so similar. I do, in general, this, this song does it, is it, 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 it it's, it's Stubor. What's this song? It's track seven. Stubor like, Problems. Yeah. What, what's this You're about? Like,
0: Do we have any? Problems. I, th- it's about problems. Yeah. Okay. Did you listen? He has problems.
1: Yeah. i <laughs> got a friend named Stubor. He's got a lot of problems. <laughs> <laughs> anyway.
3: The horns come in real hard at, like, 1.30, and I'm like, yeah, I dig this. <laughs> that's basically, like, the high
1: point on the record for me. <laughs> but, you like, in all honesty, if, like, what you're talking about is, like, yeah, that time when the horns came in. <laughs> that's every single song, <laughs> that time when the horns came in. Oh, oh no, I think <laughs> it's a particularly good time the horns come in. So, right, this time, it's called On Problem, sisters.
2: idea of a guy named stubor (laughs) hanging out i
0: got a problem with you
2: homer's friend that he blames everything on at the power plant (laughs) t board. (laughs) t
0: i'm
2: serious though go listen to the nawa intro i know it's only 30 seconds long and about 20 seconds in it is super frenetic oh yeah yeah and the drums are just yeah they're they're going crazy legitimately that's my favorite 30 (laughs) seconds on the album it's it's it is good check it out
3: Adam, I think that's actually a really good call. I think you may have won.
0: Well, speaking of frenetic, so let, let's let's kind of round this out here. We we did add one other track to the um, to the song list. This was called No Shame. Let's uh, let's give that a spin.
3: You let them drive you from your land. You don't mean to forget your pride You know we fight for your rights. You don't make it, your
1: rights. You let them drive you from your land. You don't to forget your rights. You know we fight for your rights. You don't make it, <laughs>
0: this was a i mean relatively speaking this was a low point for me but again like who's who's counting at this point you mentioned frenetic like or maybe i don't know if that was the word you used that was the note that i had the intro just like bugged me out (laughs) like the hi-hats were just something was happening and i felt really unsettled during the beginning portions of this song yeah it was hard i think to isolate like highs and lows peaks and valleys on this album but this this just rubbed me wrong although the hi-hats
2: it does sound like he's doing like, a, a triplet or a dotted eighth. Something weird, yeah. The lyrics are, ba da 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 and the hi-hat is doing that triplet thing. So that's, yeah. Yeah, maybe it's maybe my, cool, f- my
0: feeble, like, Western ear couldn't handle
1: it, but it would just felt re- weird. It's funny you say that this was, like, a low point for you, because this was the, the song that I actually felt I could get a message from what he was saying. The concept of, like, basically he's talking about, like, the modern African diaspora of, like... Hey, listen! Because of a lot of systemic and historical reasons, the economy in your country really sucks, and you gotta go somewhere else. And you're gonna end up cleaning toilets, and you're gonna end up sweeping the streets. And like, there's no shame. There's no shame in that. Still, kind of hold your head high. I dug that message. This is one of the ones where I was like, yes. If I was in that situation, if I was like living in Paris as like a Nigerian um you know economic refugee and i was i had a terrible job that i was like it's that age old problem of like you know i have three doctorates from the country that i came from but you don't value the country that i came from so therefore i have to like drive a cab or something like that i could imagine listening to this and being like yes i can still hold my head up high i still have value like there's no shame in striving for a better life and so you know music aside cuz the music was in every song was so similar that i didn't really have too much opinion on it i dug the message on this one this was one of the ones where i was like yep i feel it preach on man that's yeah, a
0: good call hell yeah yeah I, I had a hard time honestly i i love that summation of this i had a hard time like tapping into that just because
1: you know the the
0: Unlike, unlike me, higher. you're not
1: the target audience, right? Like, clearly he's speaking <laughs> right. to, like, you know, born-on-second-base, upper-middle-class white guys from right. the East Coast. That's that's who he's talking to.
3: Yeah. Um, I mean, I, you know, I, I actually sort of feel the opposite of Tom on this track. Not that I don't, like, not that I disagree with the message. I, in general, though, I'm I'm sort of more with Tom's earlier comment that, like, I'm not the target audience. And to that end, like... And, and not just on this record, sort of in, in, I'll be honest, in general, like I'm not a lyrics guy. So like, you've got to you've got to the, the bar is high and uh, yeah, I was just not pulled in. In general, I think this record would be better if there was no singing.
0: <laughs> so That's interesting, Phil. I've always kind of pegged you as a lyrics guy. That's, yeah, that's a surprising that's interesting. admission.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, yeah, I think, yeah, I think I'm not really, uh, or maybe I just, you know,
0: after listening to this you're no
1: Listen, longer i'd be willing to bet if we could just if we could just do like a side bet right now just fill with no internet write down the lyrics to your favorite song i'm going to guess 30 plus percent of them are wrong that would be my guess <laughs>
3: yeah yeah i
0: think i think
1: that could be possible yeah, they, yeah. challenge accepted
0: awesome Alright, so uh, the moment of truth I think uh, a lot of suspense happening here Let's let's build this up as much as possible With some horns and drums um, <laughs> Let's go around the horn Adam, do you need to listen to this Before you die?
2: So just like every Steven Seagal movie After Under Siege 2 Potentially executive decision All these songs are completely indistinguishable From each other, so I'm gonna give it a no
1: You're not a Glimmer Man fan? Come on <laughs> Oh shit, deep dive Seagal Tom. That actually
0: reminds me, I tried to look us for for whatever reason, in a moment of obvious boredom, recently I was trying to figure out who Tong Po was from the uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme movies, and I started looking up Kickboxer, and it was someone else entirely, and I just totally mixed up my Van Damme movies.
1: <laughs> Wasn't that Chong Li? <laughs> no, yeah, no, Chong Li. Chong Li. Yes. Yeah, that's Chong-Li. his name. Yeah. Yeah, yeah,
0: the big guy. That was yeah. Bloodsport. Or wait no, bloodsport. Yeah, that's definitely yeah. bloodsport. Okay, so. yeah, my bad.
1: <laughs> By the way, I just want to also throw out there that like the pull that Phil and I'll give Alan a, a substitute on this of Untamed Heart from last week's podcast with the guy with the baboon Christian Slater with the baboon heart. <laughs> oh, that was Christian real. That's a real I've, movie.
2: <laughs> I thought Phil was screwing around in his classic Phil. So I, I was like, are, are you kidding? No, that's I thought real. you. I thought he was quoting from one of his dreams. <laughs>
3: Dude, I, I definitely saw that movie and it resonated oh with me God. because I liked hockey and Christian Slater and Marissa Tomei. She like takes him in because she knows he has a baboon heart. And then at some point in the spoiler alert, he goes to a Minnesota North Stars game and catches a puck at the game. And then he dies later. They might do it before he dies. I don't know, but he dies.
1: The Ooh. funny thing is, like, in your retelling, I was picturing him like Catching a puck and that making his heart, baboon heart explode. <laughs> I was like, that would be a great ending. Like, no! It's worth it! Like,
2: <laughs> the movie's already about a baboon heart. You're not really losing anything if he dies the moment he catches the puck. Baboon hearts and
1: hockey. A match made now.
2: <laughs> All right, Rob, does this
4: belong? <laughs> Quick answer no. One thing we didn't mention is that Femi Kuti has the world record for holding a single (laughs) saxophone note for like over 51 minutes.
0: I'm glad we got that
4: in. Uh, and yeah. I'm, I'm almost tempted to have listened to that instead. No, it's, it's listen, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's saved you. We, we, can do a,
0: we can do a bonus episode it's, on whether that <laughs> alone belongs on the list. I'm,
4: I'm just picturing the judges sitting there politely while he's blowing past <laughs> second place. <laughs> just like, how long, much longer is this going to go on? My sources
0: say the note was an E-flat, by the way.
4: <laughs> how
0: appropriate. Who,
3: do you know whose record? Do you know whose record he broke?
4: I have no idea. Maybe he invented the record. <laughs> Kenny, G, The dude maybe? from Baylor. No, flag. I do
0: think Kenny G. So Kenny G may not have been in second, but in the limited amount of legwork I did on that, Kenny G was up to like 45 minutes and then Femi did 53. There may have been someone in between, but uh, yes, Kenny G was involved somehow. What a waste of a life.
1: <laughs> if I'm being honest, <laughs> I probably would have rather listened to a Kenny G album than listen to oh, uh, t- 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 Femi Cootie. Uh, you know, Femi Maybe.
4: Right, so Tom thinks <laughs> it's to
0: be on the
1: Wait, hold
4: on. I-, I got one more thing to say. I I Listen, I think it just fails to get the energy across. There are these little tiny moments where energy slips through the cracks of the curtains, like in a cheap hotel room or something. But then it typically dips right back, and I had to look up and wonder if I was listening instead to like widespread panic, do the who's the boss theme, or something. <laughs> it it is a victim of its time, I think. I would consider seeing it live, but no, you do not need to listen to this. Listen to Remain in Light instead. Phil,
0: what do you got for us?
3: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, 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 Rob, you you said a lot of it very well. You know, I think this record is. Nice background music. Uh, and I say that because I think it it does, like, the band's good. The rhythm section's great. The horns sound fantastic. People are in time and in tune. But no, nah, like, to that point, it's it's devoid of, like, the energy that you would hear on, like, Fela Kuti Zombie, which is definitely the record I know, sort of, like, of this genre ahead of this. And even, like, I hadn't thought of Antibalus, but there are actually a couple of pretty good Antibalus records and and the records are actually pretty good. So, yeah, I feel like the energy gets through there um, a lot more. Also, I mean, we didn't really get into it, but this record comes in at like 70 some minutes. And in my mind, like that's about twice as long as the right length for a really fabulous record. So, I mean, maybe a little longer than that, maybe a little longer than half, but it's it's
1: long you're, you're telling me this album could have used an editor that's crazy yes. though <laughs> <Yes>.
3: <laughs> listen i i
1: sort of snuck in my my kenny g diss uh which you probably tell what my vote is going to be here but uh yeah this is the big fat no from me we talked about it if you want to if you want to scratch your itch for afrobeat listen to Fela Kuti. If you're just like, I just want to listen to this like some African music, some of the the stuff that I was listening to recently and had listened to in the past, that I think is just way better than this. And there's like a Senegalese band called like Orchestra Baobab. They are awesome. Phil, I think I turned you on to their album Pirate Music at one point. They're super cool. Tanarwin, who's like a Mal- Malian Tuareg band. Bombino, who's like a Nigerian Tuareg band. Dude,
0: Bombino Bombino is sick.
1: Bombino is sick. Dude, really I didn't know it? I've never met anyone who actually has listened to them. No, they're awesome. I I saw them at uh, um at Outside Lance uh like several years ago, and I was like, these guys, these guys know what's up. Bombino's actually, I think, just one guy. Right. Uh you know, you listen to like King Sonny a day. It's like kind yep. of like Juju music, a little different. They're like Ali F- Farkatore. Farcatore,
0: like there's a lot of good music from that totally. area of the world that's better, and, way better than this.
1: And this, yeah, this is not it. Like, this is just it this seems so like, when I when I listen to that music, I'm like, this is, like, refreshing. This is new. This is expansive. I listen to this, and I'm like, this is reductive, and this is rehashed and, you know, warmed over, and it's just, it didn't do anything for me, so.
0: Yeah, so no surprises here. I'm going to say no. I think uh, it's all been said already. Do I think you should go your whole life without listening to Afrobeat? No, but, you know, Fela is covered a few times on this list, so... I cannot see a need for this. Uh, Sorry, Femi. I think you've carved out a nice niche for yourself, and you're making it happen, but unfortunately you do not make the list this time around. Do you agree? Do you disagree? Uh, Hit us up at 1001albumcomplaints at gmail.com. That's 1001albumcomplaints at gmail.com.
1: I have an actual question for the group here. Would you rather listen to this? again or guitar town again guitar guitar Town, guitar town. Without, a, without a yeah yeah, yeah it's, it's also shorter so i actually <laughs> heard too. the yeah.
0: song guitar town the other day at some kind of function i don't remember what it was it was like a yeah. we were apple picking and there was some brewery that was there and i was like oh shit what is this guitar town <laughs> oh it's shit that's what it is <laughs> like, what is this shit oh, exactly but i was able to get through the song in like two sips of beer which was uh Nice and tight.
4: I was in Tom's car last night, and it came up on his Spotify algorithm because now it thinks he likes it.
0: <laughs>
1: he, he cursed quite loudly.
0: <laughs> that is a good and point. We also, I, I need like a shadow Spotify <laughs> account. Yes, not screen. a bad idea. Obviously. Rob
1: and I did have this discussion, and I'm I just just to throw it out there for the listeners and for all the other people on this call. Like it, Rob very accurately pointed out that like when a song comes on. But when I'm driving in the car and a song comes on that I hate, especially when there's other people in the car, I turn it up. Like, I turn it up. So I'm like, listen to how shitty this song is. (laughs) Listen to these specific things that are terrible about this song. As opposed to, like, a good song comes on. I don't do that. I'm not like, let's crank the volume because there's other people in the car. And I feel like that's, you know, there's two different kinds of people. There's the kind of people that are like, listen to how much this sucks. That's a a sign. Listen, how great this is. That's a tell. There was a kid I went to
0: high school with who would, if you were driving in his car, if he had to, if he had to like rip ass, he would lock the doors, roll up the windows, and turn the heat on so that you would have to like marinate in the fart. That seems like it's of that ilk. He's also
4: associated with that. It's pretty much exactly the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. All right. What do we do? What do we listen to do next week? I need to get out of this record.
1: So. Let's let's whip out the Albinator 5000. I uh, I, I wonder, wonder, wonder what we're going to listen to next week. (laughs) (laughs) Nicely done.
3: That was (laughs) was an excellent sample.
1: Thank you, thank you kindly. Um, (laughs) Yeah, we're going to spin the big old wheel here and find out what is going to be up next. So, drum roll please. We will be listening to... I don't know what the hell this is. Um, (laughs) the band is Spirit, and the album is Twelve Dreams of Dr. Sardonicus. I'm gonna guess a huge commercial hit. That's what I'm
4: (laughs) I have no idea what this is
1: either. Hey,
2: we're on a we're on a roll here. (laughs) It sounds potentially hippie, potentially psychedelic. I don't know what a Sardonicus is but he yeah, had it's 12
1: like, dreams it's like the imaginarium of Dr. Karn whatever what the hell that was like
3: well i mean this could i uh, you know because we're on a the bit-
2: contrabulous fab traption of Dr. Horatio. <laughs>
4: hey, listen <laughs> if the difference is if this was released in the 1970s or 60s i'm in if it was released in the <laughs> 90s i'm out
2: <laughs> conveniently yeah, gone
3: yeah bad up. news This came out in 1988 no i'm just <laughs> gonna- <laughs> oh my god that's
1: like, the, the worst <laughs> Yeah. It's think, just think, all synth, baby.
0: <laughs> yeah, that era is, is a really bad leading indicator for us at, the, at this point. I, I
3: actually, I don't know when this is from. I was joking about 1988. I hope I was wrong.
0: Well, folks, uh, we encourage you to listen along with us and uh, join us next week to hear us discuss our thoughts and see if we are still on the same page. If you didn't catch all the references to... The songs we referenced tonight, we made a Spotify playlist that we'll include in the notes, including all the tunes that we mentioned tonight. So with that, uh, I've been Alan.
1: I'm Adam. I'm Phil. I'm Rob. And I am Tom. Boosh.
2: Bushy 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 bush bushy bushy bush bush, bush.